0: Hey, I'm Danny Mazer, and you are listening to the Soul Stories Podcast, an extension of Soul Stories, where we are creating connection through dialogue. In this season, I speak with community leaders and creatives as we explore meaningful topics and the obstacles that they have encountered along their paths. It's inspirational, it's fun, it's complex. Militi is an entrepreneur, founder of the local Denver staple, the Whittier Cafe, and overall Renaissance woman. In this interview, she talks about her family's origins in Ethiopia and their journey from refugees in Sudan to the challenges they overcame to thrive in the U.S. Militi is a true leader who is a personal hero and role model of mine. Her humility, selflessness, and community-centered philosophy shines in this conversation. A few notes. Susie Q. Smith, who is mentioned later in the podcast, will be rescheduled for a later season of the podcast. Also, since this interview was recorded, Mila cousin's surgery, which we talk about at the end, has been pushed back to the last week of January, the week that this episode drops. So send her and her family all the love you can. Okay, now let's start the episode. Hi, Militi.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm good, how are you? I'm good. How's your morning been?
1: It's been busy, just running around at the coffee shop. We have an event going on, um, an event raising money for black women, art, and different things. So yeah, So I've been running around all morning
0: nice yeah why don't you tell the listeners what uh your coffee shop is
1: oh man the coffee shop is like it's like a bing sometimes (laughs) um whittier cafe is in the whittier neighborhood it's a five-year old we just had our fifth anniversary congratulations Um, thank you thank you it's a big deal um It started out as an endeavor just to promote African coffee, because a lot of people don't realize that coffee was first discovered in Ethiopia, which I thought was... I didn't know that until this very moment. Are you serious?
0: You've been there
1: like so many. We (laughs) failed in our mission. I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) But that's why like all of our t-shirts, like the one I have on, has Africa, and then of course Colorado, because it's a blending of cultures. I initially started Whittier Cafe to promote African coffees so that people would know where coffee comes from most people don't know it comes from Ethiopia and um, that was part of the original reason why I did it and then we kind of organically moved into the space of social justice mostly because I mean it's something that I'm passionate about my father was a freedom fighter in Ethiopia he was governor of a small town I mean That's kind of been, I think it's in my blood. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then, you know, our whole lives, we moved to America. It's kind of a long refugee story about how we ended up here. But my father stayed active even from here and started the first sort of Ethiopian community center. It wasn't a space, but it was people. In Denver? In Denver, yeah. And he started, I know, and he started the first Ethiopian church here. So my whole life, I kind of grew up in that the irony is with the coffee shop, it was my way of kind of getting away from community stuff. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a service (laughs) business. Uh, You give me money and I give you coffee. You know what I mean? And, um,
0: it just couldn't stay away from, I
1: know. (laughs) It's so funny. Now I joke and go, well, I have a community center that serves coffee (laughs) 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 and that's Whittier cafe, but it's an awesome social justice focused coffee shop. And it's kind of, it's seriously like I joke that I'm afraid of it sometimes, but I am, it's become like, it's, it's own thing. You know what I mean? Like Whittier Cafe, totally. I feel like it's a, almost like a person or like some sacred place. Um, it's beautiful. I love it. I just try not to get in the way, you know, just let it kind of organically be. So
0: Nice. Yeah. Take on its own form.
1: It has. It really has.
0: Well, I definitely feel that power in that space. So I was emceeing the open mic every third Friday there mm-hmm. for the stained arts and Just seeing it, how it's posted about on Facebook, seeing how like the type of events when I show up there. Yep. I have so long associated with you, but it does feel really powerful. It feels intimate. There's just like a, you've really helped curate an energy there.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you know, the history of that neighborhood is also really deep in terms of that was the only place African-Americans could own property at one time when really? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, and the neighborhood obviously has changed. There's gentrification and other Mm -hmm. factors that have changed the dynamics of the neighborhood. Um, which I think is something that also makes us really unique being a black owned coffee shop in a neighborhood that used to be all black <laughs> not by choice even um, but it's interesting to see all the different segments of the community intersect in our coffee shop it's really powerful because you'll have neighbors I kid you not who probably see each other every day but never speak and now you're in the coffee shop it's kind of a small space and they're maybe like during the Ethiopian coffee ceremony that we do every Sunday people are sitting next to each other and it's a long process you've done it I mean it's like hour hour and a half
0: no I've never done you it. you have it. It? I know. oh my heart. <laughs> I know. Go <laughs> you got back. plenty of
1: opportunity every Sunday <laughs> at two o'clock. So it's about an hour, hour and a half process. Cause we roast the beans. We brew in the clay pots the same way they still do in Ethiopia until today. And it's, it's a long process, right? Three rounds are super strong, like espresso shots. But really smooth,
0: and Mm. so you're sitting
1: next to your neighbor. You have to speak. You know what I mean? It's awkward not to speak. Is there like quiet
0: time, downtime? I
1: mean, there's music playing, and you know, people are having conversation. In Ethiopia, people are really close. Families are close. Neighbors are close because when a coffee ceremony is going on, everyone kind of gets in there and gets Mm. their coffee, and you sit around. Even kids who don't drink coffee, you participate in the coffee ceremony just by hanging out. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So it's had that effect. It, It
1: is. It really is. And so you still have that effect here. And so, yeah, we've done. I think I, I want. I say we because I coffee shop is like a person to me. <laughs> but we've. I think we've done something in the community that everyone is really longing for, and that's community. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like connection, and I see that. I see that that's happening, and even with people who, like I said. Our neighbors and don't speak to each other all of a sudden now it's a kind of a, a neutral you know space to to connect so it's super powerful it's so powerful
0: have you witnessed that like happen where people are like oh like hey i know you live by me yeah. great it's nice to meet you kind of thing. yeah
1: um yeah we have actually So, like, I remember one instance in particular where a woman was sitting across from someone because it's a small space, especially in the beginning, everyone wanted to be a part of the coffee ceremony. And so you had to share your table. There's four chairs and one of you. So, three people are more than likely going to come and sit with you at your table, which is Um, like
0: a sin in American coffee shops. Everyone has one table, laptop, don't make eye contact. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Um, And there was a woman who met a grandson of someone and she's like, Hey, you live by me. And he's like, yeah, that's my grandmother, you know, my grandmother's home or whatever. So yeah, we've seen it happen. We've seen it happen where people um, will talk and go, Oh, where do you live? You know what I mean? Like the, you, you have to, you almost have to. And it's encouraged. Yeah. A lot of what you do during the coffee ceremony too, is very communal. Like there's a big basket of popcorn that we serve with the coffee ceremony. Don't ask me where that came from because it was always. Is that <laughs>
0: Ethiopian? I mean, it or is. It that-
1: is. <laughs> like, even in the countryside of Ethiopia now, they they have a basket of popcorn, which is obviously very Western, <laughs> right? Like, corn. Yeah, I would
0: not so, it's though. so
1: weird. Um, it used to be a traditional bread, and sometimes it still is, but now it's popcorn. So, I, oh, I uh, nice. Know. I mean, who doesn't like popcorn, right? right like, once yeah. you get it, it oh, makes sense. Man. And it's cheap, and it's, you know what I mean? You can make a lot yeah. of it. So, it, all those things make sense, but. Um, So we have a basket of popcorn that someone passes out. So you're all literally putting your hands into the same basket to get some popcorn, which Uh, you know what I mean? So like, you have have to come, come. you have to come. There's incense and everything. It's really beautiful. So all of the actions kind of encourage you to be connected. You know, Mm -hmm. when you pour the coffee, it's one continuous pour into all the different cups. So, Ah, it's just a beautiful thing, and one
0: continuous pour.
1: Yeah, so you like all the cups are lined up once once it's ready in that clay pot, and then you pour and you're just continuing to pour as you fill up. You know, you fill up one cup, you go to and the you next one. You don't spill
0: that way. That sounds dangerous. You do
1: spill a little bit. It's <laughs> <Yeah. really bad. laughs> Shame, my mom. When I spill it, she's like, "How could you spill the coffee?" <laughs> oh, but man. yeah, so it's powerful, man. It's just I'm I'm always shocked myself. You know what I mean? Like it's been I wish I could say, yeah, this is I did this intentionally and I did to some extent, but a lot of it it just morphed and grew and it's just something we're longing, we're all longing is that connection, yeah. like really. I mean, sometimes you can't identify it, mm-hmm. but um so yeah, it's been a beautiful thing. People come from like really far away. We're in neighborhood coffee shop. You won't know we're there unless you know.
0: Yeah. You can't People tell are driving where from like is.
1: Boulder and fricking like we had someone from Pueblo before. I mean, it's like all over
0: just to go to, just the, what to, what come to the
1: coffee shop from East Aurora. I mean, it's just, it's really, it's powerful. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really powerful.
0: Dang. Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Yeah. So, um, I was born in Sudan in a refugee camp, which is kind of a, an interesting story because when you're born in a refugee camp, you don't get citizenship of that country. You're still from wherever you came from, right? So we're from Ethiopia. Oh. And there was civil war essentially in Ethiopia. We had this terrible leader who had killed the last king of Ethiopia was King Haile Selassie, who was also not that great of a person. But anyway, um, he was killed by his right-hand man, essentially. His name was Mengistu Haile Mariam. And Mengistu was an awful dictator I mean it was so bad like he would intentionally use like starvation like during famine and stuff he wouldn't send food to areas that needed you know mm. during droughts and he was just terrible yeah and eventually you know people couldn't take it anymore and there were guerrilla fighters and people fought back and eventually took the country back but my father was one of those freedom fighters um, wow yeah I mean it was a trip like he would tell us stories about how they didn't have weaponry right because they're just these guys who were like we're sick of this you know we've got to do something they would train with branches like guns And practice taking branches from each other so that they could take guns from the soldiers. I know, isn't that crazy? Without ever
0: like shooting a gun before.
1: Well, I don't know. They may have had experience shooting guns. I don't know about that part, but they didn't have the weaponry that they They needed to like fight a civil war. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they had to figure out. Okay, so when we take guns, how are you going to take it if you don't? You know, if you don't have a mechanism or if you've never done it before. So they would practice with branches. Just the craziest stuff. But um, so he was part of that struggle. it was, uh, TPLF was the name of their... Actually, there were there were many different groups that eventually all coalesced around TPLF, which is Tigray People's Liberation Front or something. Tigray is the northern part of Ethiopia, which is where I'm from. That later morphed into EPRDF, which is the Ethiopian People's Liberation, blah, blah, blah. blah. But anyway, so my dad was a guerrilla fighter and then eventually left Ethiopia. He, there were some divisions within the struggle that he didn't support and that, you know, whenever you had division, it would... Um, It was a problem. So my dad left to Sudan, which was, it was the first mass exodus of Ethiopians out of Ethiopia, for the most part. Was to Sudan during this. They called it the Red Terror because there was so much bloodshed crossing the river. Like it was red. I mean, it was bloody. So...
0: And what years are these, do you know? um,
1: This would be late 70s. Okay. Or 70s, actually. So my dad goes to Sudan, my mom who was only 14 years old that you know because of bombing and different things that were happening where she was at left her family. Her, her mom had small kids, her siblings. And so at 14 my mom left by herself. Her mom was like go go like you got a chance to get away. I'm with babies. So my mom left by herself and ended up in Sudan. And my father, even though he left Ethiopia, was still you know, advocating from where he was in Sudan with a bunch of other people. It's not, it sounds like this great story, but there were a lot of people who were doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not unique to him, but... Because of that, he was constantly, you know, like raising a ruckus in Sudan. And so he was in and out of jail. And my mom, who was 14, was a cook in the jailhouse. Yeah, <laughs> That's how they met, <laughs>
0: <Which is laughs> when he went yes. to jail? <laughs> yes, He
1: was like constantly back. She's so funny. She's like, well, that's where he saw me. And she's like, not where we met, where he saw me. I'm like, okay, mom, whatever. So <laughs> I know, I know. She's funny. But anyway, um, so my brother and I, I have an older brother. We're born in Sudan in a refugee camp. So I always joke with people. I don't have a birth certificate. So when we came, eventually we came to America, which was a really cool story around my father was jailed. They were going to kill him.
0: You know, it was just, it was I can't just believe he survived history. this whole time. That's it's all nuts. I'm thinking. That, I know. Is that he, how did he not die? during I know. Struggle? I know.
1: I know. And it was, it's, it was nuts. And he was actually going to be killed at one point. And like people who he organized with were like, no, like this guy's got to, you know, you've got to let him go. You've got to let him go. And the UN was involved. And, we got the opportunity to to emigrate, so to leave the country. And it was, there was somewhere in Europe and then the United States was another option. And my dad had a friend named Seifu who ended up in Colorado of all places. <laughs> I don't know how Seifu <laughs> got here, but when they gave my dad the choice, he was like, I want to go where Seifu is, <laughs> you know? And they're like, okay, Colorado. So that's how we ended up here. It was this, a the craziest, state. it's yeah. so random, <laughs> yeah. so random. Um, But when we came here, they just like made up birthdays and made all this stuff up. So.
0: Um, So do you have like a fake birth certificate? Yeah,
1: I mean, I don't have a birth certificate at all because Sudan wouldn't recognize my birth. And then it was funny because I tried to get a passport later um, because we weren't automatically U.S. citizens. So I had to get an Ethiopian passport. And they're like, you're not Ethiopian, you're Sudanese. I was like,
0: Jesus. Uh, (laughs) really.
1: (laughs) So yeah, I have this made up birthday. My husband always jokes that, you know, if he forgets my birthday or doesn't make it a big deal, he's like, but you don't even know if that's your really, because it's not your real birthday. (laughs) That's why I didn't celebrate it
0: yet. Oh, that's a great out. That's a great out. I know. I always I know. forget birthdays. I wish I had that out. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah.
1: No. You know what's crazy too is whenever I tell my story, people are always so surprised and I'm like, it's such a common refugee story. You know what I mean? Like it's really? so powerful, but it's not like this. I mean, it's just so common. Like there's these heroic things that happen all the time it's refugees and you think about what's happening in this country right now and how yeah. we're treating refugees and it's oh, like,
0: like shit.
1: Yeah. I'm like, you don't have no idea the backstory that some of these people have. And right. even if they didn't, but you know, it's just what they've overcome to get to this point. Like, let's be humane, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It always, it impacts me maybe more than others just because I think about like, man, what if, what if that happened to us? What would have happened? You know?
0: Right. Yeah. It's you have wild. such a personal connection. Like, yeah. Absolutely. It's one one thing for me to be like a white liberal, like advocating for these things. And it's another thing when you have like that really like yep. Yep. personal connection yeah. with it.
1: Yeah. And it's why I get so upset with, with other Africans sometimes. Like they disconnect from the story of what's happening on the southern border. And I'm like, y'all, this is our story. I mean, they may not look like you. You may not have any like knowledge or information about what's happening, but this is your story, you know? Yeah. So it's always a, it's always a struggle in my community to, <laughs> to get people to relate to folks, you know, who don't look like you, which is probably a human issue, but
0: yeah, <laughs> it sounds like the human issue. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. We've got to get over ourselves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you find it as like a, like a safety mechanism? Like I hear about people of color becoming Trump supporters and I've heard rumblings of projections that this is a way of siding with the people yeah. so, so I can be safe.
1: Yeah, I do, actually. God, that's a powerful thing you just said because I don't think I've ever thought about it from that perspective. But I think you're right. I absolutely think you're right. I think there's this story that we're told sometimes that when you come to America, be like white people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like be as much like white people as you can. Right. And that's how you succeed. You know what I mean? That's leave all that behind, just assimilate yeah. and just leave it, you know, let it go. That was a terrible place. Now you're here, we've saved you.
0: Yeah. But what
1: comes with that too is is almost like self-hatred. And-
0: Like a denial.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I think for a long time we bought into that. And I mean, I could tell you myself as a kid, cause I came here at three months old when we moved here. So early 80s oh, wow. when we moved here. It was 81. And I remember feeling like, because in school, everything we learned about Africa was so bad. It was like this dark continent and they don't have food and they're starving and they know nothing, which now I know is a complete lie. You know what I mean? Like, but as a child, I was like, oh crap, I'm not from Africa. I am not from there. You know what I mean? So people would ask me and I'm like, I'm not African. I mean, how stupid is that? You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I'm obviously African just by, I mean, you know, and, and. Born there at that, but um, but you
0: would just say, No, you're not. No,
1: yeah. And my dad had this really interesting look where he could pass for like 10 different cultures. So, whatever anyone made up, I went with, as long as it wasn't African. Like, I remember someone saying, Is your dad Asian? I was like, Yep, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, that's how much we were uh, sort of like indoctrinated to hate Africa, you know, and hate where we came from, which is crazy. So, I you know, I have three kids, and I make it a point to take my kids to Africa every year, different countries, mostly Ethiopia because I still have one living grandparent.
0: Well, you you cousins. take people from the, all around the community we to do, Ethiopia. We, do. we
1: did a community trip earlier this year, actually, and it was so cool. Oh my God, it was, Um, there was a woman, a widow, she's a widow, and she took her two boys because after her husband died, she realized that there are better things to focus on in this world, you know what I mean, than maybe what we generally focus on, which is You know, work and money and whatever. It's not the right things. Yeah. Yeah. And so she came along. um, There was another woman who came uh, who had actually she has a personal connection to us. She gave a kidney to one of my cousins.
0: Oh wow, that's just I know. very personal. It was connection. very personal. So part so of her is inside that, it, exactly. <laughs> so
1: she felt this, feels this connection to Ethiopia that I wanted to help her sort of explore. Oh, that's cool. I know. So it was this great trip where we took community, and um, we'll, we'll do it again. We went with Root Adventures, this really cool woman-owned company here in town. So nice. But yeah, yeah, I just want to change that narrative around Africa and Africans, and so that community trip is part of that.
0: Nice. Yeah. Let's let's jump back into growing up here. Yeah. What was it like? You were oh, in Denver? Man. You grew up in Denver?
1: hmm yep. So when we came here, we were refugees, so we were sponsored by a church. So okay. we actually lived in Lakewood originally. But we were only there for a short time and then later moved to Denver, and I've been here ever since, even though I've tried to leave a few times. but so something about Denver always sucks you back in. <laughs> and That's, now, yeah, I, I know. I know, as an adult, I'm like, I love this place. I never want to leave. But, you know, it was interesting. So we grew up in Catholic housing projects and so the nuns used to come and like for Christmas, they would take us to the senior centers to sing and stuff. Like it was a really weird experience. <laughs>
0: yeah, that sounds pretty uh, It was really
1: bizarre. Like I still remember Sister Denise and Sister Naomi and they were, one was mean and one was nice. But anyways, um, <laughs> it was a cool experience though, because we were all refugees who lived in the, in the. actually we weren't all refugees because there were some, some Americans there too, but It was a really diverse setting. I remember uh, people from Laos. You know, there was us. I had some African-American friends. And, you know, they were white Americans. I mean, just a real diverse group of people. We were all poor. That was probably our commonality. (laughs) We didn't have anything. But we had so much fun oh my god we really? had so much fun like I think about my kids now and you know supposedly we've upgraded in life like we've got a nice home and we can travel and all of this stuff but my kids are bored they're at home and they don't there are no other kids in our neighborhood and whereas we You're were just outside surrounded. sun up to sundown, down yeah. running around like we would eat weird different foods at each other's houses and uh, swap like I love my, um, <laughs> my friend's mom's fried chicken and they loved Ethiopian like food fr- homemade fried chicken so we would they're from louisiana originally and so we would like switch dishes and stuff like we we would always get in trouble for that
0: it's so good yeah and i think
1: about that like we had so much fun and it was such a good life we had nothing materially we didn't have anything i mean we were really like we didn't have crap (laughs) but the best memories you know yeah so um so that i mean that part of of growing up was was fun um obviously had identity issues trying to figure out who i was and how i fit into this thing called america and um i feel like i have an older brother who uh had a very different experience than i did he uh my parents divorced first of all my parents divorced shortly after they got here which i think was really hard especially for my dad And I always call that the American curse, like a lot of Ethiopian, because in Ethiopia, you don't really get divorced. You kind of stay together and work it out, even if there are issues for better or worse. Sometimes you do need to leave people. But here, it seems like so many families would come here and then they would, separate you know really
0: like you mean specifically families from other countries
1: yeah especially ethiopian families because that's my experience but i saw that happened a lot like as an adult reflecting back i you know i think about that but as a child you know my parents divorced i didn't really get it my brother who was older i think was impacted by that more
0: is he the oldest
1: yeah he's the oldest i Um, feel like
0: there's more like pressure on the oldest there's like some sort of like glue they become a Mm -hmm, little bit mm -hmm. i'm not sure
1: well he rebelled that was his way so he was like constantly in trouble that was um the time when we had a bunch you know when cds were kind of cool and so he would break into cars and steal people's cds and Mm -hmm. car i mean like petty crime really really petty crime yeah just like acting out yeah and he but he couldn't get away from it he would run away from home and i mean it was just really hard on my parents and till today he's he's kind of you know just I don't know trying to find himself still even though he's the older one he do actually lives in Ethiopia now he moved back oh
0: wow do you have a relationship
1: kind of I think what happened was when I saw how sad my parents were around him and all his decisions I did the opposite so I like yeah. extra excelled and like tried to be perfect and <laughs> that has its that own issues sister. yeah yeah
0: <laughs>
1: so many issues
0: hey all If you like what you hear, please consider supporting us through Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You get access to bonus podcast content, and it provides the Soul Stories team the necessary resources to bring you more episodes and sustain the many projects we are already creating. You can find a link in the episode description. Now, back to the show.
1: So they were always like, why can't you be like her? And why? Can't... So they were like pitting us oh. without realizing it. You know, they yeah. were creating this um, okay. division between us that I don't think my brother's ever gotten over. So it's, oh. it's kind of a challenging, like, you think you're better than me? And I'm like, I really don't. I actually really think you're cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, you're cooler than me. So, I, you know, whatever. But um,
0: and are there any other siblings?
1: Yeah, I have two younger siblings. So my mom remarried. Okay. And had two additional kids, um, my little brother and sister, and they're great. But my older brother just kind of did his own thing, and he's still kind of estranged from the family a little bit, mm. you know. Just that's tough. Kind of doing his thing. I know, I know. But um, so that was hard. My parents, um, I think they didn't like being here. I think it was more of initially, obviously, necessity, like life or death, literally, uh, for coming here. But my mom, I mean, everything was always a comparison to. Ethiopia Mm. like we you know all the foods natural and organic just because and so here we would, you know, she'd make a dish and go, if this was in Ethiopia, the chicken wouldn't be so soft. You know what I mean? Like that yeah, kind of thing. Which is
0: probably true. <laughs> it is true. Actually, yeah. as an adult, like she's <laughs> so right.
1: But as a kid, it was everything. Like if it were in Ethiopia, if it were, you know, it'd be better. And so we just got into this habit where we would just laugh about, you know, yeah. something would happen. We'd go, we know, we know. If it were Ethiopia, it'd be <laughs> right. better. Um, so I think she always missed it. But especially for my dad, because he was a little bit older than my mom. They're, they have like a 15 year age gap. Okay. So for my dad, I think coming here from having such an active life and kind of, I would say, like maybe an important role or a more respect, being more respected. I think he yeah, came here. Yeah, there's a and strong felt,
0: sense of purpose, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: purpose. That's what I'm looking for. And yeah. then you come here and he was a janitor. He cleaned hospitals and he cleaned like facilities, you know, and I think that stripped him of his dignity. To a certain extent.
0: Yeah, because he, he said he was a governor, right? He
1: was a governor and he was just active. He was a shopkeeper. He had a like a grocery store when he was really young. And he was just, I mean, to come here and then you have bosses who are like half your age who totally disrespect you because you don't speak the language like they do. Yeah. For him, it was like, I hate this country. Like, why am I here? You know? Right. And he always wanted to go back. And eventually he did. Um, he ended up having heart failure and the doctors were like you know he doesn't have very very long to live um so he's like well then i'm going back to ethiopia i haven't been back i'm gonna move back i'm dying there i'm not dying here And he went to Ethiopia and lived seven years.
0: (laughs) So that was
1: nice. I was like, you know what? His heart was broken because he needed to go back. You know, he needed to go back and like, remember who he is, you know, when I cry, I sit here talking to you. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. And he got to reconnect with his sisters, his dad and mom passed away when he was still there when he was younger. But he had, um, you know, older siblings and younger siblings that he got to reconnect with. Only the girls. There were like twelve kids in their family, a bunch of kids, you know, because you farmed. They were farmers, right? So yeah, you know, kids you a bunch are of kids. productive. Exactly. But he had four sisters who were still living, so he got to connect with them a little bit, and and then just go back. We sold his home here, and he was able to. Build a beautiful house, you know, and just kind of like live out those last years dignified. So, yeah, it was powerful. It was so powerful. It was so powerful. So, um, you know, I'll never forget. He's like America, you know. People call me a where people call me a dummy. Like I remember him saying things like that. That, oh man, yeah, (laughs) make me cry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what soul stories is is all about. I know. (laughs) I'm
1: glad this isn't being videotaped, but um. You know, like, that stuff was hurtful, you know? And I remember as a kid being embarrassed, too, that my dad was a janitor. Yeah. You know, as a kid, you, like, you don't want to, you know... I used to let people assume. um, I remember someone asking me, someone's parent asking me, so where does your dad work? And I was like, university hospital. She's like, oh, he's a doctor. I was like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was like, assume what you want. And (laughs) I just didn't give her a response, so she just assumed, you know? Yeah. And I was fine with that. I'm like, as long as you don't know he's a janitor, you know? So... Yeah, it just, uh, I think about now, my dad passed away. It's been 10 years now.
0: Did you get to see him in Ethiopia? Before? I did,
1: I did. Um, okay. We had Saturday calls, so I would call him every Saturday and we would talk, and that's how I knew he was sick because I called him on a Saturday and they're like, your dad's not here. I'm like, something's wrong. Because we always talk on Saturdays, you know, and they wouldn't tell me. And you know, Ethiopians, there's this bad culture around, you don't tell people when things are wrong, like you're protecting them. And I'm like, that's not protecting me. Actually, that's
0: the opposite. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, have you, have you seen the movie The Farewell? I haven't. It's a Chinese American story, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's that very, mm-hmm. it addresses that very same thing. Interesting. The in farewell. that culture. We'll have to look it up. Yeah.
1: But yeah, so they wouldn't tell me what was wrong with him, and I'm like, I know my dad, and he knows me. Like, if he could, if I didn't call him on a Saturday, he's gonna freak out. And as am I. You know, we had these weekly calls, so I knew he was sick. I called the next day. They're like, no, he just went up to visit so-and-so in the mountains because my, my family are mountain people. They live like way out, the, you know, oh. way out. But I know my dad wouldn't do that to me. Like he knows. He would be right by the phone when I call, you know? Yeah. So I finally just said, if I don't talk to my dad tomorrow, I'm getting a ticket and I'll be there. And so.
0: Just to find out what's happening.
1: Yeah. And so I knew a local doctor. One time when I was in Ethiopia, we did a fundraiser um, for the hospital there to rebuild the maternity ward. It was a really cool project actually. We were able to get, it fully funded. It was really it was really cool. Um, but I had the doctor's cell phone number. And so I called him and was like, my dad's in that hospital. I know he is. And he's like, yeah, he is. And I was like, I need to talk to him. <laughs> so he was able to connect me.
0: <laughs> when everyone else is trying to prevent yeah, this. And, yeah. And you know,
1: thankfully this doctor is like a little more, you know, he was able to connect us. Um, cool. So I did talk to my dad, but then he passed away shortly after that. So at least I had the opportunity to talk to him. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, I think I was going somewhere with that. It's been 10 years, and I shouldn't be so emotional, but it feels like yesterday.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> and your it's, dad.
1: Yeah, and it's strange, because I, when I knew that he wasn't going to make it back, I tried to get back to see him, but I got there. He passed away... Uh, in the evening and I got there the next morning so I didn't get to like physically see him oh
0: so close I
1: know I know and it's weird because because I didn't see him once he died they, they put him in the casket and there's no like preservation system like they don't put him in a freezer like they do here where you can see it, see the body for the next month or whatever yeah which is
0: kind of freaky and <laughs> really, it yeah. it's really freaky
1: they don't do that in Ethiopia it's like
0: I so I never got that. to
1: see him you know yeah. what I mean like I didn't get to see him resting right. there so it was kind of a blessing and a curse. Cause I'm like, is he really gone? Like, it doesn't really feel like he's gone. You know what I mean? Even though. Yeah. Like um, he could
0: be hiding. Yeah. Like But, um,
1: yeah. So there's like some closure that I feel like I missed, but at the same time it, also is a good thing. Cause what I, my last like visual of my dad is a good one. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not him laying in a casket or whatever. So
0: looking like a rubber I mean, doll. Exactly. That's how I picture my grandma. It's just I like, know. It's yeah. like, Oh God. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I don't know, but him buying that home, um, was really smart because it gave us something to have to go back to. You know what I mean? Like even as weird in as Ethiopia. that sounds in Ethiopia, we didn't sell the house. It would have been easy to do that, but we didn't sell the house. So it's kind of cool. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go home. You have a place to stay. You know what I mean? Like, it's just nice connection. Um, And, you know, even though I still have grandparents and other things there that I want to go, who I want to go see as well. But I think it was intentional on his part, too, to to create this beautiful place that we want to go back to, Uh, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody live in it right now?
1: Yeah. It's rented out. Now it's rented out. Um, Okay. But whenever we go, we could, there's there, it's huge. I mean, it's like seriously, like 12 bedrooms, you know, I know like he went all out. He was like, look, (laughs)
0: I'm
1: coming home. (laughs) I've had a messed up life out there. Just kidding. Um, Um, there's a patio on the roof so I always think about we would sit up there and like you could hear hyenas at night like laughing and stuff like it's no way for real and this may for sound real. so
0: ignorant but like hyenas <laughs> really laugh like that they
1: really laugh <laughs> oh like God. that dude it's cra- they really laugh like that um, and we would sit up there and listen to them and stuff like my dad was such a cool guy like, I wish I got to really know him as an adult. You know, I don't feel like I really got to know him as much as I wanted to. Yeah. Um, just cause as kids, we don't recognize how cool
0: our parents are. <laughs> I know. Especially when we're teenagers.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. I know. So my mom is still here.
0: Nice. She's in Denver. Um, and she's alive and well.
1: Alive and well and beautiful and helpful and fun and all that good stuff with her grandkids. And I'm working on a cookbook with her. Like my mom. Whoa. Yeah. She's such a cool person. And, she's a caretaker and she does a lot of that around food. I think, you know, like a lot of grandmamas and others, (laughs) but, um, so we're doing this really cool cookbook, um, that also has other like fun recipes around like things that heal, foods that heal and stuff. So she's one of those people who hates medicine. <laughs> it's rubbed off on me a little bit. <laughs>
0: don't go see <to> the doctor. <laughs> don't take <laughs> right? ibuprofen. Exactly. But, yeah. but
1: it's like good stuff. Like constipation, she has this flaxseed drink that will clear uh, you out in like a day. So that kind of stuff. That I'm like, yeah. it's kind of cool to know, you know? You
0: right. Because. We prefer that to do it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. If you can put these white pills in our body. Exactly.
1: exactly. If you can do it naturally. And there is so much in nature that we don't really recognize, you know what I mean? Right. So it's kind of a cool cookbook around just Ethiopian recipes. um, But also these little healing things that, you know, that she knows about and her parents knew about that. We don't, you know, and it's going to get lost if we don't capture it. So,
0: yeah. Are you going to bring that to the Whittier?
1: I am. We're going to actually publish it. So it'll be something that's like available and like sell it. But yeah, for sure. We're going to have it at the Whittier.
0: Oh, I want to yeah. buy it for my dad my dad cool. loves like homeopathic medicines oh nice yeah.
1: nice nice. she's got like face stuff And I mean, my mom is beautiful I don't know if you've ever met her no Probably I don't think not, I've huh? seen her Yeah, she's done the coffee ceremony a couple times for us she'll do it okay. on like special occasions
0: just another thing about <laughs> me not going to the coffee ceremony <laughs> I
1: know just
0: put the <laughs> knife in and turn <laughs> know, it exactly
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know you've got to get down there I failed you as a friend <laughs> yeah. you've got to get down there um <laughs> (laughs) But when you see her, she's like reverse aging. The woman is gorgeous. And people are always like, you know, you look at her and look at me like, dude, you look older than your mom. I'm just kidding. But (laughs) she is like really reverse aging and it's, she takes care of herself, you know, and she knows all of this stuff that I feel like I don't. So anyway, it'll be fun. We're putting it. We're going to memorialize this in a book. It'll be good.
0: That's a great marketing uh, stunt for your book. Is that your mom's reverse aging?
1: Exactly. (laughs) exactly i'm not kidding like we went on a trip together to dc and we're in the airport and this guy is hitting on my mom and i'm like wait a minute hold up
0: (laughs) right do you see i'm just a little insulted here
1: (laughs) yes i'm married but i'm a little insulted
0: (laughs) oh man man. yeah
1: so you know just america's been like a mixed blessing for us you know
0: yeah yeah so let's go back to growing up you're living in this Catholic housing project yep, and then what happens after that? Mm,
1: such a good question. So again, me and my desire to like, you know, make my parents happy and not feel that hurt that they were feeling with, with my older brother. Um, I, so I, when I, in high school, I was, you know, doing all the AP stuff to get my AP credits and, um, that was about the time my dad was diagnosed with heart failure. Okay. And so they were really telling us like, your dad's not going to live. Like he might have a year or two. Like it's really bad. I'm like, Jesus. So I graduate and, um, go to college, and I did the I want my dad to really see one of his kids graduate from college thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was, no exaggeration, I got my bachelor's in two and a half years. I was no. like, I swear to God, I went to CSU for Collins. That was the other thing. I got accepted to what? Few, I'm telling you. I'm telling oh you. My God. It was nuts. All I did was go to school. I'm like.
0: <laughs> yeah, you were. Uh-huh. Wow. I like doubled
1: up on classes, and I did summer classes, and I was like, I'm going to do this. Like, I want my dad to experience this with me. And it was the coolest thing because he did. He he lived long enough to see me graduate. Wow. It was so cool, man. It, was and I he at back, the ceremony? Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. And I look at like
1: the pictures now and I'm so happy that I did it. I mean, it was like, I don't, I had no social life. Like I don't, didn't do any of the fun partying stuff
0: yeah i mean college. you couldn't what's the but, most amount of credit hours you had in one semester Oh, i don't
1: even remember i think at that time 12 was a normal load and i was always doing one or two more classes okay. so yeah like 15 to 18 i guess okay i was like
0: picturing like you gonna say like 24 24 or no <laughs> no
1: no no but i always did like one to two extra and i always felt like a lot so
0: yeah and then definitely. summer
1: like you know doing as many summer classes as i could and you know sometimes you have to do like prerequisites before you could take another class i would go and talk to the teacher and be like look this is my situation can i just do them at the same time and get permission to do them at the same time and like just i system. really maneuvered it man oh, yeah wow. i really did that entrepreneurship exactly and so i did that and, and my dad got to see me graduate and it was really cool um so I had like no social life, and then I graduated, and um, I studied journalism in school. So I oh. was—I know. So I was actually a reporter, and I got to do some really cool stories. I worked for Swift Family Newspaper, and then I worked for Scripps Howard. Uh, Scripps
0: Howard is that a big name? Why is it? Yeah, it's familiar? a huge name actually. Yeah.
1: I worked for them in Tennessee, so I got to move all over the place with them too. Um, but in Tennessee, at their newspaper, but they had to do like a bunch of TV stations, and they used to own the Rocky which obviously shut down the Rocky, Rocky Mountain News. Do you remember that? Were you, no, you no, from here? No,
0: I'm from Ohio. Oh,
1: when did you move here? Like
0: six years ago. Oh, okay, okay. I'm a part of like the disease of transplants.
1: <laughs> We're glad you made it through. <laughs> Some of the others, not so much. Just kidding. <laughs> so the Rocky Mountain News, we used to be a two newspaper town and they owned the Rocky, which was an amazing, especially the so Denver Post and the Rocky. Exactly. Oh, okay um so the rocky obviously now shut down and Scripps is going through a whole bunch of stuff but so i was a reporter and i got to travel all over and um i even got to interview the first woman president in africa ellen johnson sirleaf in liberia wow yeah when she was running um and when was that to win. this god know, what year was it? it i don't even remember the year but it was Oh, maybe ten-ish, fifteen-ish years ago. Maybe so, more like two thousand something. Yeah, it was in the two thousand. Yeah, okay. It was in Liberia, and she was running against George Weah, soccer star. And so, Liberia has an interesting story that it was founded by African Americans who went back to Africa, like the whole Marcus Garvey movement. And so they went back to Africa and they formed this country, Liberia. The problem is the African-Americans who went back did the same thing that was done to them when they came to America. And they kind of, yeah, yeah, they really treated That seems so common. It's so crazy. It's so frustrating. Right. So it it resulted in civil war. And so you had the story of child soldiers that some people are familiar with in Liberia where you had like seven-year-olds.
0: And these were African-Americans?
1: Yeah, African-Americans who went back to Africa, yep.
0: Wow, so like the 90s movement kind of thing? Yeah,
1: yeah, yep. Wow. Yep. So um, it was just a terrible story until so Liberia went through the civil war, and then we came up to this election, and Ellen was running against George Weah. The soccer star, who is not—I mean, imagine that—he's he, soccer is what he knows. He was going to come back and be president <laughs> of this country. And the young—the there was a division right. in the country. You had elderly, and then you had young people, like this middle gap. There's this big middle gap because of the Civil War, you know? Yeah, generations die.
0: are killed off. Yeah,
1: so these young people were like, "We want George." Of course they do. He's a soccer star who everyone knows. Right. It's and like then, and Trump then,
0: and celebrity oh, appeal. Don't
1: even get me started on Trump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, it's a different podcast. But you're right though. You're right. It was that celebrity appeal. Yeah. And the challenge was, these are young people who have never had to compromise. If they didn't like something, they have AK-47s. They would just kill you. They were brutal because that's what they knew. They were trained to kill. that's
0: powerful. I mean, it's it's powerful to have that in your hands. It was a
1: scary, scary thing. And what Liberia needed was a woman who could like nurse this country back to health so mm-hmm. i'm so glad that she won she did win but it was cool we got to have tea in her compound and like <laughs> talk to what her are you about so things.
0: nervous i feel like i, I would be shaking you
1: know why i wasn't nervous it was um first of all i felt like i was at home even though this is west africa and i'm from east africa it just felt good to be home i didn't feel the same uh, pressure that i feel here like in a room full of white people i feel like i have to prove myself
0: really I didn't have, even I didn't to feel this day that.
1: even till this day to be honest with you i think something's changed in the last couple of years for me where I feel much more comfortable in my skin and who I am that I don't feel that pressure as much. I don't I can't tell you what it was. It wasn't like one particular moment, but I feel different about myself now than I did my entire life um, in Liberia. The trip that I took to Liberia was with a group of black journalists. So the idea was to take african-american journalists to africa to report on what's happening in africa because that never happens it's always someone from europe or someone a white person from america who goes back yeah yeah. they parachute in they do a story and then they leave you know right yeah so they were like let's get people who might identify more with the people and so what a concept i know right imagine that (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it was like this beautiful beautiful sort of thing um but yeah, we all kind of sat around like like family and just had a conversation with her. So it was very cool. She she obviously would never remember me, but I remember her.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, that's so incredible. I know.
1: I know. Um,
0: so you're moving around the U.S. You're I, yep. doing got to move reporting. Around,
1: interview, I got to interview Maya Angelou at one point. Oh, my
0: God. God. I know. She kind
1: of chastised me in the interview, though. It was really funny.
0: What did she say? <laughs> oh, no. Well,
1: I asked her about her book, and it was like a really obvious qu- – I was nervous. I asked her this really dumb question, like, about her book, you know, and um, it was about – was it about Why the Caged Bird Sings? I can't remember which book it was, but I asked her a dumb question, okay? And she was like, honey, you read my book. Why are you asking me that? Question? Oh, no. Because like,
0: I'm nervous. <laughs> and your whole insight is just light on fire. oh know. Like, no. I
1: I know, but it was great, it was great. Um, So yeah, I just had a lot of fun. And then at some point, the thing about like print journalism is you don't make very much money, it's really the experience. At least then, I don't know about now, but I still think they don't get paid what they should, reporters, but and the industry's changed now, too. Like, everyone's
0: a reporter. You know what I mean? Oh I'm just God like, If you Christ. can type in Ugh. the computer, you're a reporter.
1: Yeah, there's no vetting of information. Everything is a fact. You know what I mean? I'm just like, right. this is driving me nuts. So yeah. it, that change was starting to happen when I got out of journalism. Mm-hmm. And I also just wanted to do something where I could make money. It was one thing, you know, to have fun and travel. And that was really what why I enjoyed it. Because I got to travel and meet so many cool people. But, um, so yeah, I came back and decided I need to do something different and went and got my MBA and, um, did financial planning for a while, personal financial planning, which was really fun. Um, you went from
0: journalism to personal <laughs> financial planning. I'm kind of
1: a nerd <laughs> and a planner by nature. Like it was just a, it was. I like I literally have lists for lists for lists and I'm constantly like I'm that weird person who you know like around New Year people will start planning. Okay, here's what I'm gonna do with my finances. Here's what I'm gonna do with my whatever my weight loss or whatever. I do that all the time. Like I'm that person like every month. I've got my book and I'm like planning. So it was just a natural kind of thing and I love numbers. Dang, so it you're just like, I know you
0: are a Renaissance woman. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it worked for me for a while and um and real estate. I have a real estate license, so I sell real estate. Oh I did yeah, yeah. I
0: I saw that. That also was like, wait, yeah. what? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly. A lot of people don't realize that. Like that's my bread and butter. I actually don't make if anything, I don't make very much from the coffee shop just because most of the money we make at at Whittier Cafe gets invested right back and we give a ton away. There was a point where we were giving away more than we were making you know what i mean like we weren't breaking even Who are you
0: giving away to
1: oh uh, we give away well uh, so we focus on anything social justice anything education um and community oh, so like like within our vicinity so
0: like philanthropy philanthropy
1: or... wise yeah oh, okay. so we pretty much never turn away school like especially in our neighborhood we try to focus like in our area yeah but i mean there's schools from all over who will go hey can you give us a donation i'm sure we'll do it this time but generally we focus on our area or whatever you know i don't like saying no so we give away gift cards. We give away coffee. Like we'll brew and, you know, deliver boxes or whatever, just to to Whoa. give. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. Know that. yeah. Yep. So anything social justice and my the nice thing about our shop is all of my employees are pretty much self managers. So they they can say yes if someone comes and asks for something. They don't have to go. We got to check with the boss. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Wow. That. Um, as a founder or something, that's so scary to let go of that control. I know. I know. It
1: took me a while like, to really get there. I knew I wanted that, but I didn't know how to do that. You know what I mean? Especially when we were losing money. So I was literally like selling a house and putting that money into the coffee shop. Like It was that bad. Wow. <laughs> the first couple of years, I was like, why am I doing this? Like, why... And then we finally like hit our stride, you know, and people were hearing about us. And so now that's no longer an issue.
0: So it's Um, like self-sustaining.
1: It's totally self-sustaining. It's completely, yeah. Now I I pay my employees well, like, you know, just doing things that, you know, align with my values. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so it's kind of cool. Yeah. So we give away, we also have a justice tab at the cafe. Maybe you know about that. No. Oh, well we have a justice tab. So if anyone comes in and asks for coffee and can't pay for it for whatever reason we just we say we charge it to justice and we just add it to the justice tab Whoa. so yeah yeah or like you know there's so i don't
0: ever have to pay for coffee technically again. <laughs> you don't.
1: we won't even ask you questions we've had people who do it like a week in a row and at some point i think they start getting feeling bad and they're like yeah. Let me pay for my coffee <laughs> right.
0: they have a guilt tab building yeah. up in there exactly
1: but you know what my thing is you must need it if you're asking for it. Now, obviously there's going to be someone who will abuse that, but yeah. that's okay. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I don't have an and issue with that. I
0: think it's that. rarer than,
1: Yeah. I mean, yep. people
0: want to believe that yep. people abuse systems all the time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I think it's rarer than we give yeah. credit to.
1: I agree. I agree. There was a, a young woman who has been a regular for a long time and went like two weeks where she just kept coming in and, and saying she didn't have the money for her tea. And my employee, one of my employees was like, Hey, so it's been two weeks. I was like, it's Okay. It's fine. And maybe like a few days later, she start paying for her tea again. You know what I mean? So obviously something was going on and she just needed and she wanted to be in our space and she didn't have, it's okay, you know? Yeah. It's fine. So, you know, we also have the schools in the neighborhood and so the high school kids will come and sometimes they have credit cards that don't go through or whatever. And I just believe give them what they came for, will be fine. Some people say, fine, we'll just take the drink and leave whatever. I'm like, no, whatever they came for, give it to them. So... It's fine. It all works out.
0: <laughs> wow. What, yeah. what school is like Bruce Randolph? Is that? Uh,
1: manual high school mostly. Manual. That's yep. what I was trying yep. to say. Yep. Manual high school. And then we get teachers from all over, but the students are mostly from manual because it's what a block and a half away or whatever.
0: Yeah. I always, that neighborhood's so compact. It is. It's it really is. like manual is this giant thing mm-hmm. that you can't see until you're right next <laughs> exactly. to it. Exactly. And I'm like, <laughs> what, so what is this neighborhood about? That's so
1: true. Yeah. That's so true. But yeah, so, but the coffee shop's good now. I mean, it's totally self-sustaining. We're able to like reinvest into our space and I don't know, you probably don't remember the shop when we first moved in, but whew, it was a mess. It was such a hot mess.
0: No, but it's been <laughs> around a lot for a decent amount of time, right? It
1: has. Um, so we're, what, we're a little over five years old. The coffee shop before us, it, it had like four owners, I think, before okay. us. Um, the first owner's, uh, it was called KJ's originally. Okay. And those were the initials, I think, of the owners. I've they were- only known Whittier. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I feel like it was just waiting for us all that time. <laughs> it was just incubating. But um, <laughs> uh, KJ's were the original owners. They were a black couple in oil and gas. And they were really giving. They were, I think they did a good job of like community and whatever. Then it had like an investor group that came in and they just ran it into the ground and then there was a couple of other people. It was just in really bad shape by the time we got there and the neighborhood was angry because they were committed to the space but they weren't really being served, you know. Uh, um, so we came in and we had to do a lot of work. Like I, I always tell people, it's not an exaggeration that when we see people walk by, we would run outside and go, come in the coffee shop, like come in.
0: No way. <laughs>
1: I swear to God, the first oh, really? year was nuts. Did it um, work? It did work. It did. You know, what was interesting too is African-Americans wouldn't come in the coffee shop. Black folks would not come in the coffee shop. Really? Like they would and imagine the, the history of, think about the history of the neighborhood and they didn't feel like they could come in the coffee shop. We literally had only Why? white customers in the beginning. Something must have happened before us with some, one of the other coffee shop. I mean, you know, and with the several iterations that it had. They just didn't feel like it was their space. Interesting. Yeah, so we would literally, like, fly. I'm telling you, we look crazy as heck. I wouldn't go in if someone flagged me and, like, that.
0: <laughs> we know, were like, come in, come in,
1: just come in. You know, and they'd be like, well, what's wrong with you? You know, <laughs> And, or some people would be like, oh, wow, it's black owned. You own it? You know, they would get like that excitement again. Yeah. So it was really cool. Um, of course, now we have all kinds of folks and lots of black folks who come to the coffee uh. shop. So we're happy. But um, originally, ooh, we, it was hard. We rebuilt the bar. We pretty much, because I bought the coffee shop from the last owners. Okay. And so, like, the MBA in me was like, "Why are you buying this failing business? Like, this negative cash flow business that where all the equipment is broken? Like, on paper, you shouldn't be buying this, right? Oh my god!" But my gut was telling me that it was a good. Like, do it. It was something inside of me that was like, "We could do this. We could do this. This is a great space. The energy is right." Yeah, you're pretty much throwing money away at first, but just do it. Just do it. Just do it. You just so, like
0: had an internal knowing.
1: It, yeah, which is like. I don't know what is which approach is the right approach, but you'll hear that sometimes from CEOs or like people who run companies about their gut versus like what they're being advised to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was one of those situations where I'm like, I know this is stupid on paper. Right. But like my gut was like there's something here like you've got to explore this so I did it and I remember buying it from him thinking what the heck because it wasn't cheap you know what I mean and it was like and I didn't really have a lot of money so it was like all my money (laughs) and I wasn't sure if it was gonna work or not but um, I had just sold this great commercial property so I had a little chunk of change and I was like you know what I'm just gonna do it I'm just gonna do it and so I remember like having to You know, even made several runs a week to the restaurant store because we didn't have enough money to buy everything in one run. You know what I mean? So we had to buy a little bit, sell some stuff and go buy some more. Like Like, duct tape the whole thing together. Yes, it was nuts. It was boot, like real bootstrap. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And we did that for like the first couple of years, if I'm being honest. You know, equipment would break. We would we place things one at a time until we are at a place now where everything works. And you know, we, we nice. built the bar. Yeah. Oh my God. Especially for my employees. That's hard to work in an environment where things don't work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and like Kareem, she's been with us almost from the beginning and she's, you know, been here the whole time. So she's wow. watched it improve and grow. And so anyway, it was, uh, it was a challenge, but <laughs> it
0: sounds like it. <laughs>
1: yeah. It, it was worth it. it. It was worth it.
0: It's crazy. Cause I just recorded a podcast right before it. Most of it was talking about like following your intuition, your Mm. gut. And I have Mm. a lot of artist friends who like Mm. really live by that. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to hear it from like a business perspective. Yes. Take on that same kind of like, yes. Listen to your gut more than like, listen to the outside kind of thing.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Even with giving, um, Initially, there were several times that I'm like, you know, people would ask for a donation for something, and I'm like, we can't afford this. Like, we can't, we can't do this inside. You know what I mean? Like, my my mind was like, we can't. This is we're already negative. So you're, you know what I mean? And yeah, but I would still do it. I'm like, we have to do this. Like, it's it's your integrity. Yeah, it's our integrity. It's what I really want this coffee shop to be known for, you know, around those issues that are important to us, even though we really don't say no to anyone. I'm just going to be honest, but, <laughs> but those are, that's where we focus. You're giving you know, like, away all I mean? your secrets on <laughs> know, this right now. I know. Everyone's <laughs> going to hear this. Like, I know where to get some free coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what? I'll t- I'll give you an example. We had someone who asked us recently for coffee and my employee was like, sure. How much do you need? It was for an art event. And, um, he said, Well, we'll just take three large boxes. And I was like, oh God, Okay. So my employee's like, Sure. So she gives him the three large boxes of coffee to go.
0: Is that a lot?
1: Uh, that's probably like 80 cups of coffee. Oh my God. I know. God. I know. So she gives him the coffee. And that seems like a lot, right? Yeah. Our walls are like, because we hang art every month from different artists. Oh, and we I don't love charge the
0: ones. Okay. So oh last God. night I uh-huh. was there for the open mic. Uh-huh. And I want to buy that. Uh, Two Isn't it amazing? Pieces. Our
1: art this month yeah, is incredible. It's but
0: incredible. I say
1: that every month. We always get really great stuff. Um yeah. community. Our I I kid you not, our list is like a year and a half out. Like if you want to hang art on our walls, we're that far out. We have so many Dang. artists in the community. We don't charge them if they sell art, it's all theirs. Um because we just feel like that's another way that we're kind of reinvesting in in our yeah. artists. You know what I mean? Right. Um so our walls have lots of holes in them. That's group that we gave that coffee to it wasn't even like it wasn't even in response to our donation but that particular person was going to hang art like the very next month or something and he came in and was like you know what I want to fix the walls so he like speckled and painted like a bunch of the holes that we had in the wall so I feel my the reason I'm sharing that is we gave him what we thought was a big donation and he came back and gave us something bigger you know what I mean? He yeah. fixed our wall. Would well, that so, would cost
0: a lot more too than I would cups yeah. of coffee? I would think
1: you'd pay a few hundred bucks for somebody to come yeah. in and do that. And whereas that coffee might have been like a hundred dollar donation or something. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, I, you know, I'm just a firm believer in like, just keep doing right. Keep doing right. And, you know, you don't do it for a payback, but the universe just has this weird way of like, you know what I mean? Being there when you need, yeah. when you need whatever Investing it is. Investing in your community. <laughs> they invest in yep. you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So,
0: Wow, that's incredible. I'm so happy I know all this about like, like I, you know, I market you guys to whoever I meet who I like know will love the space. But now I have like so much more ammunition (laughs) to be like, yeah, you better (laughs) fucking go to this place.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And hopefully it inspires people to keep doing the right thing, you know?
0: Yeah. I I
1: think it does. I think it does. I think just the energy that we draw and the people who come, we all have a similar like end goal of like, you know, social justice and just making things better for people.
0: Just make things better. Just
1: leave things a little bit better. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, it's definitely inspiring for me because, um, I'm coming across a little bit of money recently with soul stories, Mm -hmm. just getting offered things. And like, have you ever seen the Lord of the Rings? Yes. Do you know like Smeagol? Yes. My internal Smeagol is coming out. Like, I'm like, it's my money now. (laughs) Like, I've never had this before. I'm not giving it to you.
1: Right. And
0: I'm like, and now it's just making me think like there's a couple decisions I have to make coming mm-hmm. up about who I'm going to pay and how much. And yeah. now I'm like, Okay, I am going to give them the full money I think mm. they deserve because mm. yeah, this Absolutely. Yeah.
1: That's powerful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What's moving forward for Whittier? Like what are you guys focusing Ooh. on? Or for yourself even. Yeah. Your family, whatever you wanna yeah. talk about.
1: Yeah. Well, as far as Whittier, we're having a couple challenges. You know, the the buildings for sale. Yes. So it's kind of a scary thing. Uh, It's an investor who's buying it. We're having a couple of issues. We've talked to him a couple of times. I think in general we're safe. I don't think he's going to shutter our doors or, you know, nothing like that. But we are having some challenges with, with his, I think, um, vision moving forward and not being like totally transparent with us. And, you know, it's, We're having this strange conversation around, look, development, we're not anti-development. We just want to be included in the development. We just don't want to be erased in that process. Like, we're an asset, too. You know what I mean? Like, we're an asset to this community. And he said that a couple times, but, um, you know, you watch people's actions. So, I'm a little anxious and nervous about that. So, we'll kind of see how that plays out.
0: You said, I feel like you told me you have, like, three years or something. Oh, our lease. But you're like guaranteed another three years? Yes, yeah, we have four
1: years left in this. And we actually have another five year option. So we have, we've got some protections. Um, The biggest challenge is the footprint that we currently have, the new buyer is like contesting that. And essentially we have some storage space in the back that he wants to take back. So we brought in an architect to measure the space and make sure we're not over occupying and we're not. It's exactly the same square footage as our lease. So we're kind of going back and forth in that. I think what he should have done was say, I want to lease there's a middle vacant space. He could have come to us and said, Hey guys, we can't lease it because of the way that things are broken up right now. What can we do? And I'd be like, Oh, let's talk about it. Let's figure out how we can, you know, like change the configuration a bit. So, you know what I mean? Like, let's, let's work together. Like, don't, don't, you know, I don't know. So we're working on that kind of stuff. Um, so that's, that's like where my a little bit of where my anxiety is. <laughs> but is I do, anxiety
0: going to be there for like another three or four years? I don't
1: think so. I think we... It'll get resolved? Yeah, there's a local lawyer who's charging us almost nothing to help us with this. Great. And so I think it has to get resolved, you know, in the short term. And so I'm even willing to like give and like give some of our space up in the back storage to make it work. And I think that's really what they need but they're kind of like bullying it instead of like having a conversation at the table right. together. Like, I feel like there's no problem that you can't fix if everyone can just talk to each other. People you know what I mean? People are so
0: scared to talk. So
1: scared, so scared. It's crazy. And people go straight to like almost blackmail instead of, you know what I mean, I'm, it,
0: it's, yeah. it's
1: crazy. I'm just like, oh my God. On a personal note, I have some really good news. I have a cousin, um, first cousin, so my mom's brother, his son, who's been sick for a long time in Ethiopia. He he probably had polio as a child. We're not really sure, but he has kind of a twisted body. So his spine is kind of twisting and mm. it's um, like maybe 10-ish years ago when I was in Ethiopia, a doctor told us that it will continue to to twist to the point where his, um, his bones will like crush his lungs. So he's in, in really bad shape wow. and he needs surgery and we couldn't, we couldn't get him to America. Like We kept trying, but it's really hard to get those medical visas and you have to have so many different things in place and we couldn't get it together and we're trying to figure out what do we do and we discovered that there's a doctor in Ghana who's like a world-renowned specialist around the type of surgery that he needs, a Ghanaian mm. guy okay. and he travels back and forth from the States to Ghana and Ethiopia occasionally to treat kids who have this condition. So we were going to this hospital in ethiopia with um there's a jewish guy who runs it and we kept trying to get connected and it just wouldn't happen and so i finally just said you know what i'm gonna try and find this doctor directly and so it, it took a lot of work and talking to doctors here who were you know like friends 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 of friends and um trying to figure out how do i get this guy's personal email you know in ghana right um but we did it like somehow wow. we got his email I swear to you, Danny, I emailed him, and he emailed me back within 24 hours. What? It was the craziest thing ever. That doesn't like, even
0: happen here with people living in Denver. Happens. Yeah.
1: And my email was it was it was short, and I just it was simple. I said, for 10 years we've been trying to get in touch with you. We know that you treat patients from Ethiopia. We have not. No one has been able to make the connection for us. Can you please help? You know, this is my cousin's situation. And he replied the next day and said, yeah, I can. He's going to have to come to Ghana, but I can help you.
0: We're like, what?
1: (laughs) So... Um, he got all his medical files and all his x-rays from the clinic that he was going to in, in Addis Ababa, the capital city. And he's like, I can do this. The surgery is $16,000. You'll have to either fundraise it or come up with it as a family. Well, you know, whatever. He didn't yeah. actually, he, he didn't say that. He just said, the surgery is 16000 Can you guys come up with the, with the funds? Like, what's your situation? And I was like, heck yeah, we will find it. I'll sell a couple houses. We'll figure <laughs> it out. You know, freaking real estate has done a lot for me and people around me. But anyway, um... So we asked our family to be invested. So we reached out to everyone, including an in Ethiopian, including here and said, it doesn't matter how much you can do, but everyone needs to help. Like we all have to do this together. Yeah. And we didn't know what would happen. So my mom and I are kind of preparing to like cover this surgery. So 16,000 is the surgery. We still got airfare and hotels and all this other medicine and all this right. other stuff. So like
0: adding up to almost yeah. my salary. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: So we're like, let's just see what will happen. Do you know my, I come from poor family. My family in Ethiopia does not have a lot. They raised $7,000. Holy shit. His mom sold her cattle. Like it makes me emotional to even think about that. Cause that's like your wealth, you know? Right. That's your She in- sold her business. cattle. My other family just like pulled together. My siblings won $500, one chipped in a thousand. I mean, everyone's just chipping in whatever they can. Um, wow. They came up with seven grand. And so I'm like, so how touched much by is that, that. in Ethiopia? oh wow it's a 20 dollar is it 20 now or 30 dollar conversion oh my yeah God. so one dollar to 30 can you imagine no i'm like this is n-. we were not we were like maybe a couple grand or something that will pay for the airfare <laughs> you know what i mean right seven grand
0: i'm not you know i don't do the math but that feels like a billion dollars really a
1: lot of money yeah so much money so we're like all right we could work with this <laughs> so my mom and i are gonna Supplement the rest and oh, it hasn't happened yet, it hasn't happened yet. So, because we have to send the money first and then he'll give us the date, but we're planning a date in um, December
0: dang i
1: know so um and whenever i go i always take my kids with me to africa because i want them to experience it even if that means they miss school um so we're trying to work that out one of my kids is still small enough where she sits in our lap so we don't have to pay for her (laughs) she's two nice even though she's big and needs her own feet we're like she'll sit with me
0: (laughs) for like a 30 hour flight (laughs) exactly
1: it's like it's gonna be torture but so worth it um (laughs) So we're planning that trip for December now and he's finally going to get the surgery that he needs. And it's like my uncle passed away. He had cancer and he passed away not even a year ago. And I remember visiting him in the hospital before he the passed. The cousin's dad? The cousin's dad. Okay. And he was like, you've got to help my son. And I'm like, don't say that to me because it will never leave my mind. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I mean,
0: that sounds like the end of like a movie or I something. Know,
1: right? <laughs> and he's just like, you have to help him. Like no one is going to help him. You have to help him. And I'm like, fuck, Okay. <laughs> how am I, I going to not? You know what I mean? Like the pressure was on. Now right.
0: I'm like. Now this. you have like a ghost in your I head. I know. Right?
1: And we've been trying to help him all this time. But now I'm like, great. After his dad pat my uncle passed, I'm like, okay, how are we going to do this? You know, right. and it just like all fell together though. Like talk about the higher energies, like helping you do stuff. I'm like, surely his dad has a hand in what's happening here. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the fact that this doctor, we got his contact information. He emails us back the next day. And the family's able to pull together money and it just, it's just all coming together. So uh, that's happening in December and it's huge beautiful and story. powerful. Thank you. I'm Are so you happy to
0: celebrate it with the community. Are you going to like share it with Whittier. I
1: am. I'm going to document the whole thing. Not like every detail, but you know, as we go on this journey, I, I want people to know what's happening. Yeah, Cause it's I so positive, know. right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's just
1: so positive and it's so powerful and, um, I like sharing that kind of information.
0: <laughs> yeah, we need to, we're in we a do. rough day and age. We are. Positive news is not in vogue.
1: We, you're right, yeah. you're right. We're all so tense and just stressed out and yeah. sometimes I wake up and I'm like, why do I feel like I haven't slept? You know what I mean?
0: Know, right, <laughs> like, right. i just
1: slept 10 hours. Just kidding, I've, I haven't slept 10 hours in a long time. But <laughs> you know, I'm like, I should be rested and I'm not. Yeah. I feel stressed out and it's just the political climate here. Yeah, it's the stress of, you know, everyone, all of us, we're just all collectively feeling this so yeah <sighs> we'll see december is gonna be a good month though yeah. it's gonna be stressful it's gonna be hard surgery is always tricky you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it's scary but he's gonna die if he doesn't get the surgery a premature is a, death is you there know?
0: a risk of death during the surgery
1: absolutely i think there always is mm-hmm. um but he's at a point now where he's having trouble breathing like his, he's i don't know what his oxygen level is but it's not a good one you know what i mean yeah he's still able to function but he can't you know walk the same and he and I mean, he was already like his walk was already kind of probably the kind of person like you see him you might be afraid of him you know what i mean because he's so different um, um physically that yeah. it's um he's just had a tough life how you long know? has he
0: been dealing with that
1: pretty much his whole life and it's i think he had a fall they keep when his dad tells the story he's like he had a fall when he was like seven or eight i'm like that's not it it's not just a f- maybe he fell as a result you know like a side effect right. of whatever was going on but he'll always say well he fell and then all of this you know his body just start growing different i'm like no there was something going on all the doctors say he probably had polio untreated polio that's what they
0: yeah think. that would like a genetic
1: it's the only thing that it could be so
0: and how Moodle old is he
1: oh how old is moritz now he's might be twenty four ish, twenty four somewhere around there. It's a long time a to long live with time. that. It's a really long time. Wow. It's a really long time. So we're hoping it's finally happening. I wish it could happen when he was younger, because then his body was still growing, and it could self correct some things or whatever as he grows. But it's all good. Everything happens how it's supposed to when it's supposed to, and we're just—I'm just grateful to be at this point right now. So yeah, I'm sure he's grateful yeah. for you. Oh man, he was just so—I mean, when we first got the response from the doctor, like, yeah, it was just so easy. You know what I mean? I'm like, huh? Like, is this real?
0: <laughs> right, I supposed <was laughs> right. just like, wait three like, weeks are and are then we yell pumped? at you. Or, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Ashen Kutcher shows exactly. up. Exactly. <laughs> I'm
1: like, but it's happening, man. It'll be my first time in Ghana too, so that's kind of cool. My husband's oh. been there, I think, but, um, and so we're going to go together and yeah, it'll be, it'll be an experience. <laughs> Dang, yeah. I know, I know. So, that's some, that's some, you know, sunshine in this, in these dark times right now. <laughs> yeah. Thanks
0: for sharing that. Of I think course. we need more inspiration like yeah. that. Thank you. Is there, as we start to wrap up, is there anything like left unsaid that you wanted to say during this interview?
1: I don't think so. I just thank you for, for what you're doing and, Like you said, we need, we need to hear more personal stories and find ways to connect. And I feel like that's what you're doing by doing this podcast. So thank you for doing it. And yeah, totally. This this has been fun. Yeah. You're,
0: (laughs) I, whoever's listening, like go to Whittier. Militi is a leader in this community. Thank you. I rave about you. Um, do you know Susie Q? Yes. I also rave about Susie Q. She'll I be on the her. podcast this season. And yeah.
1: I love her. Yeah. So Kareem, amazing. who works with me, is her niece. FYI. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, <laughs> so we got a connection. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes.
0: Me and uh, Susie will be doing a TED Talk.
1: Oh, that yeah. I can't wait for your TED
0: Talk. Yeah. That's so exciting. I'm going to be on the same stage as her. And I'm like, Isn't we were just crazy. at the same meeting. And I was like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't, no, that's that's her. That's, her not. that's <laughs> Susie.
1: Q, <man. laughs> yeah, she's a big deal. She's
0: a big deal. Oh my yeah. gosh!
1: Congratulations, though. That's Thank huge. You. you deserve it. You so deserve it. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, I don't know if I'll be there, but I'll definitely watch it.
0: Yeah. So The good thing is they record. Also, you know what I learned? Mm. They're incredibly doctored. Really? Yeah. Like not like doctored in the way anything's fake. Wait, wait. But like. V- I I think they even make you look better. I think they like
1: oh yeah, and make they you take look skinnier out like and stuff. Just
0: um. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like taller and right? stronger. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so they
1: clean it up a little bit. Like if you mess up, is that what it is? Yeah, or? I guess like oh.
0: they take away all the likes and ums and like oh, okay, and make you so much of a better speaker than you are. Oh, which is uh, I appreciate crazy. that. <laughs> And also their editing must be incredible because I I never noticed that. Yeah. Never.
1: Yeah. But I'm one of those, you know, weirdos. The likes and the ums just come. No matter what. I'm always nervous, so. Yeah, I know. I have terrible
0: social anxiety.
1: (laughs) Me too. I'm actually really an introvert. Really? Really an introvert. Yeah, I prefer, like, being alone.
0: (laughs) Dang, you picked the wrong career.
1: (laughs) Coffee shop where you talk to everyone all day. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm numb. (laughs) But I do love that. Actually, I'm really good with one-on-one. That feels good to me. But bigger settings, I'm like what am I doing here? You know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Emceeing at the Whittier was like, I had to take a step back. Cause after 19 months of it, I was like every Friday night, I'd be like, Oh no. Oh no. Like, oh, so yeah. You were
1: so good though.
0: Oh, thank Can you. See?
1: We didn't know. <laughs> so good, good job. That's the that's <laughs>
0: whole goal. Fake it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's right.
0: Cool. Well, thank you for being on.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Um. Yeah. Great. Cool. That's it. Yay! Thank you for taking time to listen to the soul stories podcast. These conversations are very special to me. After each one, I feel more connected to myself and the community our team is building. I hope you were able to walk out with something for your own life and the journey you are on. I would love it if you could leave a review or share this episode with someone you care about. It all helps Soul Stories grow and make the impact we hope to make. Until next time, this is Danny signing off.